It's, you know, not every day I get the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, on the line with me. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy New Year. We have not spoken this year yeah, at all, so Happy New Year. Into January, but yes, indeed. Same to you. Yeah, congratulations, by the way, on getting uh, the Amazon headquarters uh, shortlist for us. Yes, yeah, it's like making the playoffs. I mean, it's been a team effort for the whole region, but having said that, we're in the playoffs now, so we'll have to see... Uh, you know, how we can continue to put our best foot forward. But I think what we've got going for us is the incredible talent pool that exists in the city and the fact we welcome talent from around the world. That's a big, big thing in a world that, you know, seems to often be turning its back on people uh, from somewhere else. And we're saying, no, we need the best and the brightest right here in Toronto. And hopefully Amazon comes with that. Yeah, I I was looking at some sports betting sites and some analysts. Unfortunately, they're putting us at a long shot tied with Miami for last place. Uh, John, are you a betting man? Well, no, I'm not particularly, but I would just say, uh, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So in that sense, uh, let all those people be complacent with the odds makers. And last I checked, the odds makers don't have any representation uh, on the committee. So we'll see. We'll just take it one day at a time. Hopefully this is not in poor taste. But speaking of falls, you just held a press conference about an hour ago to address some issues in the city shelter uh, shelter program. And somebody collapsed and, and apparently our health minister hopped into action. Can you fill us in on what happened? Well, it gets better than that. And when I say better, I don't mean to suggest it was other than a very unfortunate incident, but a man fainted uh, who was, I think, one of the residents of the shelter we were at called the New Hope Shelter, which is a wonderful facility just opened in the last week or so, operated by the Salvation Army. Uh, and uh, he fainted, and he unfortunately fell very hard on his on his face because mm. you, know, you often do when you when you faint. And uh, the health minister, the president of the Registered Nurses Association, Doris Grinspun, and one of our excellent um, community nurses who helps in so many different places uh, were all there and attended to the man. And then the paramedics arrived and took him, I presume, to the hospital for, uh, you know, for, for, for further treatment. Is he going to be okay? Well, yeah, I think so. He was sitting up and talking and so on when he left. But uh, here's the important thing. What we were there announcing was, uh, for the first time, the embedding, the location of medically trained people inside shelters in Toronto. Because you know, the people who end up in shelters, and I've seen this because I've visited many shelters this winter and winters before since I've been mayor and before, they are people that often are most isolated from the healthcare system. You know, if you said to them, do you have a health card? Uh, do you have a family doctor? Um, you know, do you feel comfortable sort of going into the hospitals? They would say no, no, and no. And so then their health deteriorates, and that becomes a great predictor of their homelessness. And so to actually have people, and this is a cooperative venture between the government of Ontario and the city, uh, have people who are medically trained inside the shelters able to attend some of the medical and mental health needs of uh, the shelter residents, I think is going to be a gigantic step forward. And that's why it was very important that uh, we got this announcement uh, out today, and we're getting underway to put the people in the shelters. What type of health problems are you hearing about? Well, I mean, in the, these people are not going to be treating serious illnesses that are inside the shelters, but they can, you know, provide a degree of support and referral for people with mental health. And, of course, I, when I go to the shelters, like I was in one this past Sunday, and I would say the, frequ- the most frequently mentioned type of illness that people are suffering who are residents in these shelters are mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. And they will tell you. I mean, thank God we live in, a, in an environment now where people will say they have a mental illness. And so that's by far the most prevalent one. But there are many, many other things. And these people aren't going to be able to provide the long-term counseling, but they probably can help refer the residents of the shelters to get mental health care. But they can also deal with, you know, cuts and, 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 and you know, uh, wounds, they said today, and things like that that can be treated as opposed to having them end up either not getting treated or in the emergency rooms uh, where those are full, as you know. 
John, you were talking about how you were just in a shelter last week. Um, last week as well, frontline workers and advocates reported deplorable conditions in a few centers and shelters around the city. They were saying people were crowded on the floors. There were no showers, no doors on the bathrooms. And they were calling for council to draft a set of standards for um, existing shelters. Where do you sit on that? Well, first of all, I would say that we're doing our best and and that the circumstances in some of the temporary shelters are less than ideal. Uh, But what we wanted to do, most importantly, was make sure there was no person who was going to be showing up uh, in need of a place to sleep uh, during the cold winter nights and be be told there wasn't such a place. And so that's meant we've had to make some arrangements that are temporary. I don't think there are places that don't have, you know, washrooms and don't have showers. But having said that, um, these places, I will be the first to say are less than ideal. And I think the good news is that a large number of city councillors signed a letter together from all points on the spectrum, including myself and a number of others, and we've got a roadmap to now deal with the issues of new permanent shelter beds and also making the temporary winter respites better. And so we'll begin to address that, and that could include having some minimum standards there as we do for permanent shelters. But I think the most important thing that was also contained in that letter Kelly, was that we're going to take a real look at the real issue here, which is more supportive housing for people suffering from mental health, more affordable housing for people who can't find any housing at all, um, and that sort of thing, uh, as opposed to what is the real issue, which is a lack of supporting and a lack of affordable housing. Um, John, who are we looking to for the funds for the shelters? Is the province going to kick in some cash? It's a very interesting question, and one I was just discussing with uh, provincial officials today. The City of Toronto, notwithstanding that we have by far the biggest challenge when it comes to shelters, and in fact our challenge is a regional challenge. People come from Mississauga and Richmond Hill and Markham to Toronto because they think we have a big shelter system, which we do relative to those places where they have maybe one shelter. The province uh, capped the funding the city received a number of years ago, so no matter how many shelter beds we had, we didn't get any more money, and it used to operate on what they called a per diem basis. So if you had 1,000 beds, you got 1,000 times the per diem. If you had 1,500, you got 1,500 times. They capped it. And we've asked for them in light of the urgent situation we face in Toronto to take that cap off um, so that we can uh, get compensated. But I would say that in the absence of that, um, we are are, uh, absorbing the cost of the extra shelters we've had to put in place on uh, solely on the property taxpayers of Toronto, which is not what property taxes are meant to do. I mean, mm-hmm. they're meant to do certain things, but not that. So we're having ongoing discussion with uh, with the province on that, and I hope that will bear some fruit. John, I feel for you, and I don't know if it's just because I know you, but I think you're in a really uncomfortable position because you have to go and ask the province for money uh, quite a bit. And this leads me to the next question. Union Station, we found out it's once again late. It's over budget to the tune of $23 million. And I understand that this is primarily due to Metrolinx and some of the work they had to do at track level, but you're going to have to go to the province and ask for cash. What do you expect to hear when the bill is presented? Because you said that you don't want this to fall on uh, taxpayers in the city. Well, I think when there are changes that are being requested by Metrolinx for projects that will benefit people in Toronto, but lots of other people outside of Toronto as well, it's a Metrolinx request, and therefore Metrolinx should pay. And so that's our position, and we're taking that up with the people at Metrolinx, and that is my position, that we shouldn't pay, and, uh, you know, uh, until further notice, we will not pay, because Metrolinx should be paying. So um, it's one of those things. What happens if you don't pay? 
Well, look, I mean, in the end, somebody has to pay, but right. I'm not going to go there. That's a hypothetical question. I believe they will understand the fact that it is their changes that we are making to Union Station, which is not only taking up some extra time, uh, but also is costing extra money. And I'm not saying those changes are bad. They're actually good. But they've asked for them to make their train system run better. And so somebody will end up paying. But I'm just saying our position at the moment, which is a firm one, mm-hmm. is they should pay. And uh, the bottom line is we're getting on with finishing the job and not waiting around to settle the argument on who should pay uh, before we do the work. We're doing the work now, and it's going to get done, uh, and that's that. John, I know you're a busy man, so I want to get you off the hot seat, and then I want to let you go. But I do want to touch on this. Toronto could see some 2026 World Cup action, and this is a joint North American bid. Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Toronto vying for games if we get this bid. I think Morocco is our only uh, competition for this. Why is Toronto best suited to host the uh, World Cup action? Well, first of all, we know how to put on a good show, as we evidenced with the Pan Am Games and so forth. Secondly, we have, you know, what is uh, acknowledged widely the most diverse population in the world. So no matter which teams we're playing here, um, they'd have a big following. And, and, of course, the interest in soccer overall, because we have the most diverse population on Earth, is is massive. And so, and then, and, you know, for, so those are good reasons why they should pick Toronto. But I, in terms of why it's good for Toronto, this gives us an opportunity for a very modest cost to be part of the greatest sporting spectacle on Earth. And that will once again put Toronto on the map, which you have to keep doing. If you want the best and the brightest to continue to come and live here and invest here, you have to keep reminding them that this is a magnificent city that is blessed in so many different ways. I was, somebody was talking to me yesterday about Amazon saying that on, on the TV in the United States, they said Toronto is North America's fourth largest city. And these were Americans and they were very puzzled by this. Hmm. And, you know, they didn't think it was anywhere near that big. Well, it just shows you we've got an educational job to do, because if we want people to invest and to come and live here, we have to have the city on the map. And the World Cup is one more way to do that, in addition to providing great joy to people here who have such a passionate interest in soccer. Uh, and it's a shared bid. You know, the great part of it is we don't have to build a new stadium. We have to pro- provide some temporary seating at BMO Field. And we're going to share the bid with two other countries and a couple other cities in Canada. So we only get a few games out of that. But, boy, I think that's a few more games than we get if we ever tried to bid on our own. And that would involve massive expenditure. So to sure. me, this is a very positive story. The price take is 30 to $40 million investment. What is that going to go to? Is that going to the extra seat at BMO Field? Or what uh, else do you get for that? Principally, one is the extra seating at BMO Field to bring it up to the minimum standard, minimum standard in terms of number of seats. And the second is just putting on a really good fan festival because, you know, you understand the fact that it's not just going to be put on for the benefit of people in Toronto. We're hopeful every single hotel room in the city will be full of people who come from all over the world to see these games in Toronto and to visit Toronto and spend their money here. And maybe some of them will move here and move companies here. So uh, there's a cost of a fan fest, but it's mostly the operational aspects, transportation, coordinating volunteers, building the seats at BMO Field, it's that kind of thing. And that's an investment that's split between three governments. So compared to you know stuff that I haven't done, like trying to bid on the Olympics, mm-hmm. um, this is a very modest sum of money for what I think will be a significant return if we can get the games here. Well, I'll say we're on the map because yesterday I passed Tim Cook on the street. The head oh, of yeah, Apple. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I know everybody, well, everybody wants to be in Toronto. Don't you understand that? I do. <laughs> I think I'm beginning to understand that. John, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And hopefully, uh, don't be such a stranger. We'll have you on the show more often. Just make the ask and I'll be there. All right. Hey, can we get a tape? Uh, Let's get it. Yeah, let's cut that. We're going to use it. We'll play it back. John, have a great day. Cheers. All right. There's the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, on the show. Finally, been trying to get him for a few days. So you heard it here, apparently. Anytime.